My name is John Marchada, and this is the Gunpowder Plot Show, also known as the Guy Fox Podcast. And this is the Wednesday Night Special. This also is the beginning of the Protocols of the Wise Men of Zion series. I'm going to be starting with Protocol 1 and going through all 24. Some of these protocols are rather lengthy, much like this one. Uh, so I might have to split it up into a day or two or maybe even three, depending. Um, I'm going to start off, and I'm going to uh, read the beginning notes. This is taken from Behold a Pale Horse, the book written by the most famous uh, Milton William Bill Cooper, also known as Bill Cooper, uh, one of the most famous uh, conspiracy researchers of all time, and one of my personal heroes. So I'll start. Protocols of Zion were referred to in the late 1700s. The first copy available to public scrutiny surfaced in the early 1800s. Every aspect of this plan to subjugate the world has since become reality, validating the authenticity of conspiracy. Authors note, this is an exact reprint of the original text. This has been written intentionally to deceive people. For clear understanding, the word Zion with a Z should be Sion with a S. Any reference to Jews should be replaced with the word Illuminati, and the word Goyim should be replaced with the word cattle. Here is the Britons, translation of the complete text of the notorious Nihilus, Protocols of the Wise Men of Zion, Protocols of the Meetings of the Learned Elders of Zion, Protocol Number 1. Putting aside fine phrases, we shall speak of the significance of each thought, by comparisons and deductions, we shall throw light upon surrounding facts. What I am about to set forth, then, is our system from the two points of view, that of ourselves and that of the goyim, also known as the cattle. It must be noted that men with bad instincts are more in number than the good, and therefore the best results in governing them are attained by violence and terrorization, and not by academic discussions. <clears throat> Every man aims at power, <clears throat> Everyone would like to become a dictator if only he could, and rare indeed are the men who would not be willing to sacrifice the welfare of all for the sake of securing their own welfare. What has restrained the beasts of prey who are called men? What has served for their guidance hitherto? In the beginnings of the structure of society, they were subjugated to brutal and blind forces, afterwards to law, which is the same force, only disguised. I draw the conclusion that by the law of nature, right lies in force. Political freedom is an idea, but not a fact. This idea one must know how to apply whenever it appears necessary, with this bait of an idea to attract the masses of the people to one's party for the purpose of crushing another who is in authority. This task is rendered easier if the opponent has himself been infected with the idea of freedom so-called liberalism, and, for the sake of an idea, is willing to yield some of his power. It is precisely here that the triumph of our theory appears. The slackened reins of government are immediately, by the law of life, caught up and gathered together by a new hand, because the blind might of the nation cannot for one single day exist without guidance, and the new authority merely fits into the place of the old already weakened by liberalism. In our day, the power which has replaced that of the rulers who were liberal is the power of gold. Time was when faith ruled. The idea of freedom is impossible of realization because no one knows how to use it with moderation. 
It is enough to hand over a people to self-government for a certain length of time, for that people to be turned into a disorganized mob. From that moment on, we get internecine strife, which soon develops into battles between classes, in the midst of which states burn down and their importance is reduced to that of a heap of ashes. Whether a state exhausts itself and its own convulsions, whether it its internal discord brings it under the power of external fo foes, in any case, it can be accounted irretrievably lost. It is in our power. The, the, despotism, mm, the despotism of capital, which is entirely in our hands, reaches out to it a straw that the state, willy-nilly, must take hold of. If not, it goes to the bottom. Should any one of our liberal minds say that such reflections as the above are immoral, I would put the following questions. If every state has two foes, and if in regard to the external foe, it is allowed and not considered immoral to use every manner and art of conflict, as for example to keep the enemy in ignorance of plans of attack and defense, to attack him by night or in superior numbers, then in what way can the same means in regard to a worse foe, the destroyer of the, dis of the structure of society and the commonwealth, be called immoral and not permissible? Is it possible for any sound logical mind to hope with any success to guide crowds by the aid of reasonable counsels and arguments, when any objection or contradiction, senseless though it may be, can be made, and when such objection may find more favor with the people whose powers of reasoning are superficial, men in masses, and the men of the masses being guided solely by petty passions, paltry beliefs, customs, traditions, and sentimental theorism, fall a prey to party dissension, which hinders any kind of agreement, even on the basis of a perfectly reasonable argument. Every, res every resolution of a crowd depends upon a chance or packed majority, which, in its ignorance of political secrets, puts forth some ridiculous resolution that lays in the ad administration a seed of anarchy. So essentially, they're, they're kind of building up their premise, which is kind of like a, a self-defense premise or an explanation as to why they're... Um, coming together, why they're about to embark on this plan, the plan that they've come up with in these 24 protocols, which, I don't know, maybe there was a couple of meetings before this, <clears throat> and certainly I believe that there have been meetings since, but, um, excuse me, um, yeah, that, that's what I'm, I'm sensing that they're doing here, is that they're explaining how everybody else, all other forms of government, um, all other mobs of people are essentially the same, and they have a defense as to why they're doing what they're going to do. The political has nothing in common with the moral. The ruler who is governed by the moral is not a skilled politician and therefore unstable on his throne. He who wishes to rule must have recourse both to cunning and to make-believe. 
great national qualities like frankness and honesty are vices in politics, for they bring down rulers from their thrones more effectively and more certainly than the most powerful enemy. Such qualities must be the attributes of the kingdoms of the Goyim, but we must in no wise be guided by them. <clears throat> Our right lies in force. The word right is an abstract thought and proved by nothing. The word means no more than give me what I want in order that thereby I might have a proof that I am stronger than you. So, might versus right. Where does right begin? Where does it end? In any state in which there is a bad organization of authority, an impersonality of laws and of the rulers who have lost their personality amid the flood of rights, ever multiplying out of liberalism, I find a new right, to attack by the right of the strong, and to scatter to the winds all existing forces of order and regulation, to reconstruct all institutions, and to become the sovereign lord of those who have left to us the rights of their power by laying them down voluntarily in their liberalism. Our power in the present tottering condition of all forms of power will be more invincible than any other because it will remain invisible until the moment when it has gained such strength that no cunning can any longer undermine it. Understand that I can sense already <laughs> that this is just going to be me reading a lot. So it might be a little bit boring in the beginning, um, or at least this first protocol. I promise shit starts getting a little bit crazier the more I read, the more I go into these protocols. Uh, just like I, I went through um, Protocol 12, why it was so important um, was because of how applicable it was today and the things that were happening. Um, so just bear with me, all right? This first protocol might be a little bit, like I said, a little bit boring. You're going to hear me reading a lot. I mean, we've still got one, two, three. Ah about three more pages so maybe it might take up the the rest of this and and uh i will um what's the word i'm looking for i will just essentially make this episode for this one protocol out of the temporary evil we are now compelled to commit with will emerge the good of an unshakable rule which will restore the regular course of the machinery of the national life, brought to naught by liberalism. The result justifies the means. Let us, however, in our plans, direct our attention not so much to what is good and moral as to what is necessary and useful. Before us is a plan in which is laid down strategically the line from which we cannot deviate without running the risk of seeing the labor of many centuries brought to naught. In order to elaborate satisfactory forms of action, it is necessary to have regard to the rascality, the slackness, the instability of the mob, its lack of capacity to understand and respect the conditions of its own life or its own welfare. It must be understood that the might of a mob is blind, senseless, and unreasoning force ever at the mercy of a suggestion from any side. True. The blind cannot lead the blind without bringing them into the abyss. Consequently, members of the mob, upstarts from the people even though they should be as a genius for wisdom, yet having no understanding of the political, cannot come forward as leaders of the mob without bringing the whole nation to ruin. Only one trained from childhood for independent rule can have understanding of the words that can be made up of the political alphabet. 
A people left to itself, i.e., to upstarts from its midst, brings itself to ruin by party dissensions, excited by the pursuit of power and honors and disorders arising therefrom. It is possible for the masses of the people calmly and without petty jealous jealousies to form judgments, to deal with the affairs of the country, which cannot be mixed up with personal interests. Can they defend themselves from an external foe? Is it unthinkable for a plan broken up into as many parts as there are heads in the mob, loses all homogeneity, and thereby becomes unintelligible and impossible of execution? It is only with a despotic ruler that plans can be elaborated extensively and clearly in such a way as to distribute the whole properly among the several parts of the machinery of the state. From this, the conclusion is inevitable that a satisfactory form of government for any country is one that concentrates in the hands of one responsible person. Without an absolute despotism, there can be no existence for civilization which is carried on not by the masses, but by their guide, whosoever that person may be. The mob is a savage and displays its savagery at every opportunity. The moment the mob seizes freedom in its hands, it quickly turns it to anarchy, which in, it, in itself is the highest degree of savagery. Behold the alcoholized animals, bemused with drink, the right to an immoderate use of which comes along with freedom. It is not for us and ours to walk that road. The peoples of the goyim, or the cattle, are bemused with alcoholic liquors. Their youth has grown stupid on classicism and from early immortality into which it has been inducted by our special agents by tutors lackeys governesses and the houses of the wealthy by clerks and others by our women in the places of dissipation frequented by the goyim also known as the clatter i mean the uh cattle what and the number of these Last, I count also the so-called society ladies, voluntary followers of the others in corruption and luxury. Our countersign is force and make-believe. Only force conquers in political affairs, especially if it be concealed in the talents essential to states, statesmen. Violence must be the principle, and cunning and make-believe the rule for governments which do not want to lay down their crowns at the feet of agents of some new power. This evil is the one and only means to attain the end, the good. Therefore, we must not stop at bribery, deceit, and treachery when they should serve towards the attainment of our end. In politics, one must know how to seize the property of others without hesitation. If by it we secure submission and sovereignty, that is fortitude. That is the difference fortitude it is of arguably the most important things in all of this is fortitude learn what that is and make sure you have it it's fortitude that's why i know that if anybody were to ever threaten my family i know what i would do because of fortitude And I think that we all have it. I think that we all have a level of it. And what they're basically talking about throughout all of this, and they will talk about it at one point or another, is um, the 
idea of America. They don't like it. They want a despotic ruler. <clears throat> One person to rule them all. They want compartmentalization. They don't want a free country like the United States. And so they've been making, um, you know, insults here and there throughout it. Um, but most important, as I said, was what they just described, which is fortitude. And not only that, they understand in this the importance also of violence. Our state, marching along the path of peaceful conquest, has the right to replace the horrors of war by less noticeable and more satisfactory sentences of death, necessary to maintain the terror which tends to produce blind submission. Just but merciless severity is the greatest factor of strength in the state, not only for the sake of gain, but also in the name of duty, for the sake of victory. We must keep to the program of violence and make-believe. The doctrine of squaring accounts is precisely as strong as the means of which it makes use. Therefore, it is not so much by the means themselves as by the doctrine of severity that we, may, that we shall triumph and bring all governments into subjugation to our super government, the New World Order. They didn't say that. I'm saying that. Super government. That would be the New World Order. That would be what they are planning here. Maybe they didn't have that name at that point, but that is exactly what they're talking about. Not super governments, as they talked about. I'll reread that. Therefore, it is not so much by the means themselves as by the doctrine of severity that we shall triumph and bring all governments, plural, into subjugation to our super government. It is enough for them to know that we are merciless, for all disobedience to cease. What they're saying here is that the sword is mightier than the pen. It's the same shit that I've been saying. Not that I'm on their side, but you need to understand it. The pen doesn't have any strength without the sword defending it. The sword, and I, I don't know whoever started that. Maybe it was these fuckers. The idea that the the pen is mightier than the sword. What a crock of shit. It's always been the sword. And fortitude. Far back in ancient times, we were the first to cry among the masses of the people the words liberty, equality, fraternity, words many times repeated since those days by stupid Paul parrots who from all sides round flew down upon these baits and with them carried away the well-being of the world, true freedom of the individual, formerly so well guarded against the pressure of the mob. The would-be wise men of the Goyim, the intellectuals, could not make anything out of the uttered words in their abstractness, did, did not note the contradiction of their meaning and interrelation, did not see that in nature there is no equality, cannot be freedom, that nature herself has established inequality of minds, of characters, and capacities, just as immutably as she has established subordination to her laws. Never stop to think that the mob is a blind thing, that upstarts elected from among it to bear rule are, in regard to the political, the same blind men as the mob itself, that the adept, though he be a fool, can yet rule, whereas the non-adept, 
even if he were a genius, understand nothing in the political. To all these things the Goyim paid no regard. Yet all the time it was based upon these things that dynastic rule rested. The father passed on to the son a knowledge of the course of political affairs in such wise that none should know it but members of the dynasty, and none could betray it to the governed. As time went on, the meaning of the dynastic transference, transference of the true position of affairs and the political was lost, and this aided the success of our cause. In all corners of the earth, the words liberty, equality, fraternity brought to our ranks, thanks to our blind agents, whole legions who bore our banners with enthusiasm. And all the time these words were canker worms at work boring into the well-being of the goyim, putting an end everywhere to peace, quiet, solidarity, and destroying all the foundations of the goy states. As you will see later, this helped us to our triumph. It gave us the possibility, among other things, of getting into our hands the master card, the destruction of the privileges, or in other words, of the very existence of the aristocracy. Aristocracy? <sighs> aristocracy? Can't say that word. Of the Goyim, that class which was the only defense peoples and countries had against us. On the ruins of the natural and genealogical aristocracy, I still can't say it, of the Goyim, we have set up the aristocracy, aristocracy, <laughs> all right, I'm going to reread that, on the ruins of the natural and genealogical aristocracy mm, of the Goyim, we have set up the aristocracy of our educated class headed by the aristocracy of money. I, I know that's not how you say the word, okay? I, I've heard the word before. I know what it is. They just so happen to fucking write the damn thing five times in a row. Um, and I know that it's not sounding right when I say it. Aristocracy? Aristocrat it's aristocratic. So aristocracy? Aristocracy? <sighs> Read it one more time. On the ruins of the natural and genealogical aristocracy of the Goyim, we have set up the aristocracy of our educated class headed by the aristocracy of money. The qualifications for this aristocracy we have established in wealth, which is dependent upon us and in knowledge, for which our learned elders provide the motive force. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. Maybe I'm retarded. Maybe that's what it is. Okay? Maybe I'm a goy and I'm retarded because I can't say that fucking word. You know what I mean? So let me, I got to reread it because, well, at least this last sentence, because this is extremely important. The qualifications for this aristocracy we have established in wealth. That is extremely important. If you know who the Rothschilds were, they're far more wealthy than the Rockefellers, than arguably any of the 13 Illuminati families which not all of the families are Jewish. I don't know if you knew that. Okay. The, the, the Rothschilds are numero uno, Illuminati family. All right. Mayor Amschel Rothschild was 
probably the most, I don't know if he was the most important out of all of them, but certainly one of them. All right, and they understood this. That they needed to establish wealth. I think it was Mayor Amschel Rothschild was the one that said, um, "I don't care about a, I don't care about the armies. I don't care about the like the comings and goings of a country. Just give me control of the money, and he'll have total control." It was obviously paraphrasing. So the quali qualifications for this aristocracy we have established in wealth, which is dependent upon us and in knowledge for which our learned elders provide the motive force. Sorry that took so long for me to get to just through that one paragraph. Our it, this wouldn't be my podcast without me fucking shut up, okay? Our triumph has been rendered easier by the fact that in our relations with the men whom we wanted, we have always worked upon the most sensitive chords of the human mind, upon the crash account, upon the cupidity upon the insatiability for material needs of man. And each one of us, these human weaknesses, taken alone, is sufficient to paralyze initiative, for it hands over the will of men to the disposition of him who has bought their activities. The abstraction of freedom has enabled us to persuade the mob in all countries that their government is nothing but the steward of the people who are the owners of the country and that the steward may be replaced like a worn-out glove. It is the possibility of replacing the representatives of the people, which has placed them at our disposal, and, as it were, given us the power of appointment. That's the end of protocol number one. And that'll be the end of the episode, or at least now. Um, I know it's a shorter episode, um, I apologize, but I really only want to spend, I don't know, I mean, maybe I might even the longer ones, because that was seemingly one of the longest uh, protocols. Well, I guess it wasn't too long, it only took me 26 minutes. Um, but I really just want to focus on one at a time. So, uh, you know, this was the beginning. This was the introduction protocol, basically, of why they're doing what they're doing, and you know, kind of hinting at how they were going to go about things, you know, breaking down each bit as they go into it. Um, so yeah, that'll, this will be the, the end of, uh, episode one of the protocol series, protocol number one. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, let me know your thoughts and, um, what you think of what I read. Uh, you can reach out to me at metv1105 at gmail.com. That's metv1105 at gmail.com. You can direct message me on any of the major social networking platforms, obviously without, with uh, the exception of Twitter, because I am indefinitely suspended, indefinitely. Uh, just look me up in the search as John, traditionally spelled J-O-H-N, Omerchada, spelled O, apostrophe, M, is in Mary, U-R-C-H-A-D-H-A. And let me know what you think. Until next time, be accountable, be responsible, don't be liberal.